Okay, let's do this, Yaz. It's travel time. <laughs> yep, your mic on. Ready to go? Mic on. Test, test. Okay, I think we're live. Let's go. A-list access. It's your A to Kings group travel besties, Nick and Yaz, with the A to Kings A-list access podcast. So sit back and enjoy the adventure. I mean, show. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of the AAT Kings A-List Access Podcast. Um, we are back yet again talking all things New Zealand. We kind of got the uh, the first half, the general gist of New Zealand in the first episode there. But we're back with part two to give you the full 360 rundown. We're going to just jump straight back into kind of where we left off. So um, let's do our post-production chugga, 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 and let's bring you back in. Um, I'm going to move back over to you, Greg, and staying in kind of this space, but let's talk about AT King's range of uh, Maori cultural experiences across New Zealand specifically. Do you mind running us through a few of those that kind of come top of mind in this space? We have, a, a, depending on which tour you do, we have a, a range of different uh, cultural experiences. Uh, one of the more popular ones in uh, Rotorua is uh, at a place called Tapuya, which used to be known as the New Zealand Maori Arts and Crafts Institute. Uh, they do a wonderful show there, uh, dinner and concert. Um, that's called Te Po. And at this experience, guests get to go along. They, they dine on traditional Maori food, which is cooked in a hangi, which is food cooked in the ground. Uh, there they use the, the steam from the geothermal activity to actually cook the food through and heat it up. Uh, it comes with a very unique flavour. After that, they do a cultural show on the marae, which is actually uh, on the park itself. And then afterwards, they go down and have a hot chocolate and watch the Pahutu geyser erupt, which is um, very, very exciting um, from a nice, safe distance, of course. Um, but sit down there, especially on a cool night when the steam is all coming up out of the ground. It's a, it's a very surreal experience. Uh, we also head out to uh, one of the most well-known cultural shows in New Zealand called Te Patu which was uh, originally started by Tamaki Brothers. Uh, and it was probably the, the flagship of in, indigenous tourism in New Zealand. Um, this experience, again, is a, on a village that they've built about 25 kilometers outside of Rotorua. Uh, we get to walk through the village that they've created there and learn some of the traditional games and um, uh, crafts that the Māori people uh, have done for generations. Uh, again, a, a wonderful cultural show with uh, haka, uh, poi and uh, waiata, which is singing, and then into uh, the most amazing dinner that they, they put on um, in the whare nui, uh, or sorry, the whare kai, which is uh, the place where you eat food, of course, um, and then lots of singing and fun on, on that particular trip. And we've talked a lot about um, 80 kings and cultural experiences there, but what about inspiring journeys? Is there one that kind of uh, comes top of mind there? We've got this amazing new experience uh, that we're going to be starting on Inspiring Journeys uh, from April this year. And it's at a place called, it's called the Firinaki Footsteps. Uh, this is an amazing place uh, in a place called Murapara, which is about 45 minutes from uh, Rotorua. And uh, essentially we take people, well, the people are taken out into a rainforest and they learn everything about what the rainforest can offer and used to offer the Māori people in years gone by. Everything from natural medicine, um, from using plants, through to learning about um, the amazing thousand-year-old totara trees, uh, learning about native birds uh, that are in that habitat. And then having an amazing lunch of traditional cuisine, um, essentially from forest to fork. Uh, we use uh, the incredible local guides from the Murapara region, from the Ngāti Manawa people, and uh, they're just so hospitable. And also, we, they take us through the range of the different traditional welcomes and stuff that you would get if you're going to visit uh, a marae, uh, from the pofuri to the um, to the karakias and everything that you would expect 
from the amazing hospitality that the Māori people offer. Yeah, incredible. And I think it's also worth noting that um, with AT Kings, it really is AT Kings, Make Travel Matter experiences that really set us apart from the rest. Um, if you're listening along and you're not exactly sure what AT Kings, Make Travel Matter experiences are, or about AT Kings' commitment to sustainability, there is an earlier episode of the show you can listen to. Though right now, I'd love for you, Greg, to explain to the listeners um, a few of our New Zealand-based Make Travel Matter experiences, if you've got some kind of top of mind there. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks. These are really exciting. It's something that probably um, sets AAT Kings and the Travel Corporation companies apart. Um, it's the commitment we make to um, giving back and also to sustainability and also to learn a little bit more in, in depth the culture of a country. Um, so a couple of the Make Travel Matters experience we've got in New Zealand are the Real Country Farm Show, which is at a place called Kingston at the southern end of Lake Wakatipu near Queenstown. And uh, this is set up by an amazing lady called Laura Coote. And when our guests go there, they get to learn all sorts of things in, that are involved with farming in New Zealand. Obviously how sheep dogs work and how an electric fence works, how to jumpstart a tractor, all sorts of fun things, how to crack a stock whip. But what it's really about is teaching people and, and showing people um, how women can make a contribution in agriculture, which is quite often seen as a male dominated industry. And um, for every guest, every time, every guest that goes and visits Real Country, we make a donation to the Fairlight Foundation, which is an internship for young female graduates from um, university, and gives them an introduction into agriculture. And uh, these interns go right through from uh, again having their own sheep dogs through to how to look after cattle, deer, and it really grounds them well for a uh, to, to kick them off into the agricultural uh, farming life. Uh, Laura's a real character; she's really driven. Um, all the people that work for her are, are, are just such good fun. It, when we go to these things, it's not just about going away. Um, educated or informed we want people to go away enriched and um, be able to spread the word of uh, these different uh, uh, the pride and the passion that these people have for the industries they're involved in another great one that we've just started working with is um, the wildlife center trust um, and this again you'll see the common theme here is, is passionate people and this was founded by a lovely lady called Sabrina Licht and her goal is to create a wildlife hospital um, to take care of um, the bird life uh, that may become ill or that they find and they rescue and have a place for them to bring them right. Uh, she is a, a scientist and she, when we go there, she comes and talks to, I guess, about the biodiversity of the Kaikoura region. Of course, it's very famous for its whale watching, but also it's an area where you'll get to see some of the most unique um, marine bird life in New Zealand. And she's very, very passionate about what she does, um, talks to the people about the different types of, of wildlife and biodiversity that you find on the Kaikoura coast. And again, for every person going, we make a donation to help make this hospital possible. So we're hoping in the next few years, she'll be able to get that up and running. Uh, another one that we've had a really long-term relationship with is the National Kiwi Hatchery, which is based in Rotorua. Um, we sponsor a couple of incubators that they use to, to hatch the kiwi eggs. Of course, kiwi is our national bird. It's endangered. And uh, in the wild, it's very hard sometimes for them to be able to hatch naturally. Uh, there's lots of predators out there now. Uh, before uh, man arrived in New Zealand, there were no native land-based mammals to endanger the kiwi, but now there's things like rats and possums and stoats. 
um, which uh, of course when you can't fly away uh, are there to uh, as a threat for all this this wonderful flightless birds that we've got so not only do we sponsor the uh, the incubators but we actually go to the hatchery and we talk to the people that look after the eggs and bring them, uh, take them from the uh, from the birds in the wild. They bring them back to the hatchery. Um, they hatch them. They get them up to sustainable weight, which is about one kilo, and then they actually reintroduce them into sanctuaries and safe places uh, where the birds uh, have got a really good chance of survival. Uh, we've been sponsoring the National Kiwi Hatchery for about ten, been a sponsor of the National Kiwi Hatchery for about ten years now, and again, every person that goes there leaves with a much better um, understanding of how they can uh of what's necessary to help make our national birds survive in the wild yeah amazing all really incredible activity there and all really um amazing make travel matter experiences and i think uh for me personally i think the piece there around um jump starting tractor could be something i could learn from i recently left my car lights on a shopping center and had no idea what to do so um maybe i need to be on more of these make travel matter experiences and and getting my own kind of uh education and learning up a little bit further there um but we are just about to wrap up for another episode of the eight kings a-list access podcast but before i let you both go and get back to regular scheduled programming uh, i've just got a few questions that have been submitted from some of our travel agents um that i thought we'd run through um i'll start with you greg uh we've been asked from some of our agents uh essentially my clients want to experience off the beaten track places in new zealand what itinerary do you suggest to them my favorite itinerary that we offer is called uh, the spirit of new zealand and the wonderful thing about that itinerary is that it it spends it goes down into um stewart island which is really the best kept secret in New Zealand. It's the most incredible place. It's like going back in time 25 years. There's only 28 kilometers of road on Stewart Island. Um, and there's there's no farms or anything down there. It, like uh, Angela was saying, it's basically all national park. Uh, the locals are real characters. Um, they're and just the adventure of getting there and back across Fovo Strait, it, it, it's a really amazing day. It also spends two days on the west coast of the South Island, so it visits France, France Joseph and also up to Punakaiki. Uh, it heads up into Nelson and you get to go off if you want to and explore in the Abel Tasman National Park. Uh, it also goes out into the Hawke's Bay and out into one of the most famous winemaking regions in New Zealand. And also you learn a lot about the Art Deco uh, history of that part of the world which was rebuilt after a big earthquake in the 1930s uh, and then it finishes off up in the Bay of Islands which is um, pretty much as close to the tropics as you're going to get in New Zealand um, and it's a yeah it's just a re- it's one of our longer itineraries but it, it really gets into all the little nooks and crannies that this beautiful country has to offer. Yeah incredible we're throwing that to the uh, top of my personal bucket list that's for sure. Um, Throwing back over to you Angela Um, we've had agents ask um, New Zealand is often called the adventure capital will my non-thrill seeking clients have things to do? Yeah thanks Nick look we are called the adventure capital uh, of the world and there's a reason for that and that we have fantastic adventure offerings but we talk a lot about the diversity of New Zealand and the number of different things that you can enjoy here so we have a world-renowned food and wine offering so vineyards all across the country um, where we can enjoy New Zealand made wine uh, regional food Uh, and then we have you know we talked quite a lot about the different unique cultural experiences there's experiencing the spectacular landscapes which New Zealand is so well known for Uh, some of the things that are becoming more popular is we have 
um, beautiful stargazing uh, experiences in the South Island that are some of the best in the world. Uh, so I would say that one of the things we do offer is opportunities for everyone to explore and enjoy New Zealand in their own way. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, even using, I guess, uh, Rotorua as an example there um, of the contrast of there's so much in Rotorua that is uh, adventurous and thrill seeker there. There's, there's the absorbing and the luging and all that kind of rest there. And then you've also got on um, the other side of that, all of those cultural um, experiences we've kind of spoken about also there as well. So I feel like... Um, to that question, yeah, there's obviously so much thrill-seeky type activity in, in New Zealand, but there is, obvi- there is obviously at the same time so much of that kind of um, uh, natural beauty and cultural immersion, all that kind of stuff. But it's not like um, uh, you're going to different places to find this. Even in the same kind of cities, you can be finding that as well, which is, I think, a, a really cool kind of niche of, of New Zealand as well, which is amazing. Um, going back to you, Greg, throwing back over there, um, we've been asked uh, which cultural experiences should my clients do in New Zealand? And I know you're probably going to want to be saying the gold star answer here of all of them. Um, so to save a little bit of time there and to cut that out, is there any chance you could just probably tell us your personal favorite, uh, cultural experience that you've been lucky enough to, um, experience there? Something that New Zealand's very famous, of course, is uh, rugby. And one of the experiences I've had a lot of enjoyment doing recently was the All Blacks experience uh, in Auckland, which is up in the Sky City complex. Um, of course, you know they say rugby's not a life or death matter. It's, it's far more important than that. And this is where you learn all about what it means to be an All Black. Um, it's not a sports museum. You're not going to go in and see all the amazing trophies that they won over the time, although that stuff is there. It's more about the ethos of what it means to be an All Black. And it takes through um, the life of a rugby player, right from school age through to club rugby, through to the skills and the mental skills you need to be a high-performance rugby player, and then through to the passion that's involved in um, the haka and you actually get to experience that in, in more than life size. And then at the end, you get um, an interactive part where you can go through and um, show how good you are at passing and kicking and sidestepping and all those wonderful things. So I, I really enjoyed that because rugby is such an important part of what we do in New Zealand. And how were you at the uh, passing, kicking, sidestepping? Were you an absolute pro or uh, are we sticking to the day job? <laughs> Clearly, Nick, I'm talking to you, so I ain't an all black. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I gave it my best shot. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, what the listeners can't see is they're actually recording this uh, live from the rugby grounds right now. So it's um, just great you've been able to sort of see, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and Angela, I'm throwing back over to you. We've been asked by our clients, how long do you think that travellers need to experience New Zealand properly? That's such a hard one. That, you know, I think I've lived my whole life in New Zealand, barring a bit of time overseas, and there's still more for me to see. But I would back up what Greg said that sort of 21 days, three weeks will give you a great opportunity to see the whole country. What we do see often is people will come and explore part of New Zealand and then come back. So, you know, you want to allow enough time to really be able to um, move, move, I guess, from some of the bigger attractions, um, but spend time in between exploring all those hidden delights. So a couple of weeks in each island uh, makes sense if you're coming back for a few trips, or like Greg said, you can combine them both. We do have a lot of people, you know, for, um, for any agents in Australia, like Greg said, the beauty of New Zealand is that we're only three hours away from the eastern seaboard, but we are a world apart in terms of 
what they can explore. And we get a lot of repeat visitors from Australia who will have seen part of their country and then want to come back and explore more. Yeah, amazing. Um, and I'll finish up with this and I'll stick with you for this final question, Angela. Um, we've been asked, what about New Zealand in winter for people that aren't skiers? Is it still worth coming over if you're not kind of uh, an advanced skier in the winter months or is it best to kind of avoid that period? What's the kind of hot take there? Oh, look, I would say that New Zealand is great at any time of year. Um, and I'll actually just, every season has its perks. So if we actually kind of go through each of the seasons, summer, obviously most popular time, warmest weather, you know, a real vibrancy. It's actually when Kiwis travel because over Christmas um, and you picture obviously summer, it's outdoorsies, it's adventure on the water, you're getting to do bushwalks and mountain hiking. But as you move through the year, autumn, I love autumn in New Zealand. We still have a lot of sunshine. Uh, it's not as busy. You start to get those beautiful autumn colours. But more than that, you know, if you want to be really immersed in nature, which is such a big part of New Zealand, you can do that with fewer people around. It's not quite as hot. Which brings us to your question about winter. Absolutely, New Zealand. It's a winter lover's dream, not just for skiers and snowboarders. So we have so much to do um, in New Zealand. So thinking hot tubs, again, going back to that stargazing. Um, we have a lot of, you know, in Hamner Springs, you can go and relax in thermal pools and it's close enough. You can actually do that also if you are a skier. Um, so many food and wine experiences that can really be enjoyed in winter. So it's perfect for skiers and non-skiers. Um, and then look, just finishing up spring, obviously. Uh, again, a shoulder season, lovely time to visit New Zealand if you're looking for fewer crowds, weather starting to warm up. You know, we have a lot of people who really enjoy um, springtime in New Zealand and the animals and the baby lambs and um, it is we actually have some of our ski fields still open so we have spring skiing here um, but you know as the warmer temperatures and longer days it's a fantastic time to enjoy outdoor activities in New Zealand. Yeah, amazing. Okay, thanks for that. Well, I think with that, we are all wrapped up for another episode. Thank you so much, Angela and Greg, for joining us today. It's been an absolute blast. Um, for any of our agents who are listening along, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast uh, and be sure to visit aetkings.com forward slash A-listers. That's aetkings.com forward slash A-L-I-S-T-E-R-S for more information, fact sheets, a sneaky quiz to check your paying attention and all of that fun stuff. And while I've got you bouncing around, clicking links and joining things and all the rest, jump over to our Facebook page and join our exclusive AT Kings Travel Agents Facebook group. Just search AT Kings Travel Agents on Facebook or flick myself or any of the AT Kings team an email and we'll get you sorted. But with that, we're all wrapped up and we'll see you next step. Bye!